can see what, yeah, brilliant. We're currently going through um, a, a journey, and, and during these August uh, weeks, as we've said already, our, our services are slightly shorter, they're just one hour long, um, but we're continuing with this theme where we're, we're talking about uh, Bible characters, and some of them we've talked about as, have be, as being unsung heroes, perhaps they're not characters that you'd hear about very regularly, they're not always the ones that you've heard as you've, uh, you know, if you've gone to Sunday school, or if you've, uh, for some of us that are of a certain age, you might have heard about Bible characters, even assemblies at school. Anybody remember that, those kind of things? Yeah, you can see where the, the, the cutoff is, those that do and those that don't. Um, and some of the characters that we've talked about have been uh, some of those what we might call Bible heroes or people that, um, that we're familiar with uh, as Bible characters. And what we are trying to understand and what we're trying to unpack through this is that all of them were ordinary people who had an extraordinary God. And they may have done things which seem extraordinary to us and they seem remarkable, miraculous, the things that they were involved with. But for all of them, we can see things about them that maybe uh, help us to, to encourage ourselves to believe that God might use us to do something in this world and to do something in other people's lives. And we often ask, because it's human nature, why would God choose me? And as we look at the stories of these characters, their failures, their successes, the Bible just simply says to us, why not? Why wouldn't God choose to work in and through you? They're all people serving uh, an extraordinary God, and we need to understand that even if what we are doing isn't the most miraculous thing you've ever seen, if it's what God is doing and what God is saying, even if it feels small, then that is an extraordinary thing, because everything that God does is good. Amen? So this morning, somebody who may be a little bit more familiar than some of the unsung heroes uh, and I'm simply going to introduce it by asking this question. What do, is anybody here, don't want to embarrass you, but if you're, are you, are you visiting Aberystwyth or visiting where the area yet? Fantastic. There's a few. Fantastic. Well, um, you've got something in common with today's character, especially if you're here for the bank holiday weekend. So here's the question. What do holiday makers from outside of Wales who are here for the bank holiday weekend and today's Bible character have in common? And the clue is, if you're here for the bank holiday, you're probably here in Wales for three nights. Mm, well, the answer is you get to spend three nights in Wales. Hey, oh dear, groan, ah, dad jokes, ah. Okay, so go on then, who are we talking about this morning? Jonah. Now, before we get into any uh, pedantic discussions, I know that it's not identified as a whale, um, but for the sake of this joke, please allow me the, 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 um, the fact that, uh, that it was a whale for that purpose. So we're talking about Jonah and the big fish. And if you are uh, uh, young, of, the, of the younger age or um, think that you might get bored while I'm talking for the next 10 minutes. There are some sheets at the back. So if you are, for children, if you want to go and grab one of these worksheets, there's a double-sided page. So there's plenty to get on with. And there's some pens and some pencils. The stewards have got those for you at the back. Um, and you can see if your parents or those who've brought you here to church this morning can help you with those. 
Uh, Jonah is basically this, this, this story, this book of the Bible, is broken down into four chapters. And we're going to take a, a, a kind of little journey very briefly. We're not talking for long. Uh, we're going to take a very brief journey through those four chapters and just see if there's uh, some little things that we can pick up and we can learn from these. The first chapter is where we see Jonah's failure or his weakness. In this chapter, Jonah says no to God. Ooh, it's not the best idea, but it's something that probably most of us have done at some point. Let's read from Jonah 1 and starting in verse 1 together. If you can see it on the screen clearly enough, read along. Uh, If you don't want to, that's completely fine, or if you can't see it, no problem. Okay, here we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Lord, I ask that as we understand and unpack what it is that you would want to speak to us, that each one of us would hear something, not from my mouth, but from your mouth. Something which helps to inform us how you want us to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jonah did not like what God had asked him to do. Maybe Jonah was scared. Because Nineveh was known as a place of sin. Known as a place of violence and a place where people went against God's ways. Maybe Jonah, and we maybe see a little bit of this later on, also didn't feel that the people of Nineveh deserved to hear the word of God. But the question I want to ask you is, have you ever run in the other direction of something that you knew you had to do? It's like, I know I've got to do this, but I really don't want to. Occasionally, we might distract ourselves with other things. In order to avoid that thing which we know we're supposed to do. Am I, am I speaking to anybody this morning? Or occasionally we just simply know, I really don't want to do that. I'm going to walk in the other direction and avoid it altogether. The reality is probably each one of us, young or old, have gone against what we've been asked to do either by God or, I don't know. I'm sure that every child in the room... Every time they're told to tidy their bedroom, they go and do it straight away. Am I right? Yeah, no. Some nods and some, well, well done you if, if the answer is yes. We've all got the experience of avoiding or running away from something that we know we're supposed to do. But some people, that may have, been gone, to, that may have gone to an extreme. It may be that you know God was instructing you or God was talking to you or God was trying to lead you to do something and you feel like you literally walked in the other direction and said no to God and you feel like maybe because you've done that because you've let God down in that way because you knew there was a task you knew there was something that he was suggesting for you to do and you've decided to say no maybe because of that you've ruled yourself out of what God might want to do and say to you today. I want you to understand that whatever your past 
situation has been in terms of saying yes or no to God, you can hear from God today and you can carry on and complete the rest of the story. And it might not look exactly like it would have done the first time. It might not look exactly uh, how you would have pictured it. But you've still got the opportunity today to turn around and say, okay, I'm sorry I said no. I say yes to you, to God, God today. And we want to say yes to God today. Amen? So here I have a, another question for you. Uh, and we started to sort of ask the question, why was Jonah so slow to preach to the Ninevites? And the answer, I think, you know, maybe slightly less technical than the other ones, is that he was very inefficient. You have to... Uh, yeah, 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 thank you, yeah, thank you. You'll be glad to know that's the last joke this morning. <laughs> Jonah ran away from God, and the reality is there is no point trying to run away from God. There's no point trying to get away from him. He goes everywhere, he knows everywhere, he sees everywhere. And Jonah... For some reason, although he knew God and he heard from God and he was somebody who was a prophet who delivered God's word, he thought in this context he was going to be able to go and get on a boat and that God wouldn't be able to find him there. But that wasn't the case. And we know most of us, the familiarity of the story as it unfolds, uh, the storm rages, the uh, other people on the boat want to understand how, what, what, why this storm has happened. And eventually it boils down to Jonah saying, okay, it's, it's me. God has brought this storm upon us because I've disobeyed him and I've walked away. And there are always consequences when we choose our way instead of God's way. I know in my own life I've seen some of those consequences. When I've chosen to do things my way, when I know that God would want me to do things in a different way. The difficult thing and the hard thing about Jonah's disobedience is it wasn't just Jonah that experienced the storm. Jonah's decision to walk away from God and do something that was disobedient to him led to other people experiencing a storm. God had given Jonah an instruction to go and give people an opportunity to encounter his grace. He'd given them opportunity to go and preach to people and give them the opportunity to repent. But instead, because of his disobedience and his decision to say no, he walked into a situation where he caused other people to go through a storm. And that storm rages, the storm uh, unfolds, and eventually Jonah says, listen, the only way for this situation to turn around is for you to throw me off this boat. For Jonah, that was basically tantamount to saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to lay down my life so that you guys can survive, so that, you can, so that this storm will, will cease. And so we begin to see something good of Jonah's uh, choices that he's made. He's willing to give himself in order to save the other people on the boat. But we know that God had a bigger plan. Jonah is in the water, and we get to the end of Jonah chapter 1, and it says this. Let's read together. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I don't know if you've ever asked God to provide you something. That's the word that stands out for me in this passage. God provided a huge fish. I've never asked God to provide me the opportunity to spend some time inside 
a fish. But that huge fish or whale, and I'll let you do your own research. There are stories of modern day stories of people who claim to have spent some time inside a whale uh, inside, uh, and, and actually survived and lived to tell the tale. I can't tell you, uh, I can't verify those stories for you, but it does seem interesting and I've, I did a little bit of looking into it and there's some scientific suggestions. Yeah, technically it could be possible, so, uh, but it's not a normal thing to happen. <laughs> This is God doing something extraordinary for an ordinary person. Jonah, an ordinary man. God, an extraordinary God. Provides him with a fish. Sometimes, this is what we need to learn from this. God gives us things that we didn't want or we don't know that we need in order to fulfill his purposes. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you in a situation that you you don't like, simply don't like the situation that you find yourself in? And I want to encourage you. You can find God's purpose in that situation. And Jonah gives us a little key to how we do that. The next thing that we see in chapter 2, Jonah cried out to God. Let's read together from the beginning of chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for your help and you listened to my cry. Sometimes the very darkest situations that we face are the opportunity to have the most important realization we can ever have. We need God. Jonah, for Jonah, it took a storm in a boat and then some time inside Uh, a giant fish. For you, it may be something else. We need God. And Jonah's prayer in this context is honest and it is raw. And I want to suggest that there is no failure in any situation that leads us to God in earnest prayer. If you're going through something and you feel like you failed or you feel like the world around you is falling apart, you feel like everything is against you, If it drives you closer to God, and our challenge is, is this going to drive me further from God or is it going to drive me closer to God? And if it drives you closer to God, then there's no failure in that situation. Amen? I'm sure some more people than myself can testify that going through the darkest situation can bring you closer to God and his will for you. And as we get further down in Jonah 2, he says this. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, should we say this together? Salvation comes from the Lord. And that, <laughs> that brings us to chapter 3. And uh, I didn't mean to say that Jonah obeyed the 90s. Uh, didn't, uh, <laughs> did the 90s believed God. It's supposed to say the Ninevites. So there's an entertaining bit of autocorrect for you on my computer. Um, I mean, I am, you know, I spent my teenage years in the 90s and that's when I believed in God. So maybe that's the connection. You want to hear my testimony. Jonah obeyed obeyed God and the Ninevites believed God. Jonah 3, it says this. Let's read together. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. 
And then it goes on to say, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Sackcloth was a sign of sorrow, which was being signified in their desire to say sorry for all that they had done for the past. They were repenting, turning around, and when that took place, sackcloth was often the sign of why that would, uh, what was an outward sign of something that was going on in the inside of those people. And God gave, had given Jonah another opportunity to do his will. I want to encourage you this morning. You may have said no to God before, but there will always be another opportunity to say yes. And through Jonah, God gave the people of Nineveh another opportunity too. They had been doing things wrong. They'd been doing things their own way. But because of Jonah's preaching, because the opportunity that Jonah gave them through telling them to repent and seek God, they were given an opportunity. And God always has grace for those who will turn their hearts to him and follow his ways. What do we see in the story of the prodigal father or the prodigal son, depending on how you understand the story? What we see is a son who has turned his back and said no to a father. And then comes to his senses, wakes up, smells the smelling salts and realizes the error of his ways. Turns around and trudges back towards his father, feeling like he's going to be rejected and that he's just going to have to grovel. And we see the father doing what? Running towards him. Come on, welcome home. You were dead, but now you are alive. God always has grace for those who will turn their hearts towards him and follow his ways. Jonah 3, it goes on to say, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God was gracious even to the people of Nineveh. And I wonder who the even is in your life. Because we're about to see how Jonah reacted to God's grace towards the Ninevites. And it wasn't pretty. Jonah was angered by the wideness and the grace of God towards the Ninevites. He was angry that God would be gracious to these people. And we get, he says, I told you, God, if I go and tell them that you're gracious and, and you'll forgive them, then they're going to repent and then they're going to be forgiven. Grr. I wonder if there's anybody in our lives that we think, why? Well, God, surely they don't deserve the grace of God. Well, Jonah felt that towards the Ninevites. And he was angry with God. And what he was doing was failing to live in the grace that he himself had received. God had delivered him. God had rescued him. God had given him another opportunity. But we see again an ordinary person with a human reaction. This person who's part, who's, who's this great story that we hear about so much. But we see the challenges that, uh, and, the, and the weaknesses that he walked with as well. But the Lord is gracious enough to help Jonah understand his bigger picture, his greater purpose. And the truth is we all experience injustice. And we all have times, do we not, when we all think that we know better than God. Oh God, you can't possibly be suggesting I should do that. This is a much better way to do things. Or is that just me? Just, no, just me, okay. His plans and his purposes are bigger than we can understand. And God speaks to Jonah in chapter 4. 
And he says, you have been concerned about this plant because Jonah's been given a, a refuge underneath a plant from the scorching sun. And it's, it, God had provided it, and then the next day it had withered. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. God's heart was for the people of Nineveh. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't realize the error of their ways and they needed the word of God. They needed Jonah to go and explain to them and tell them, if you do this, God will be gracious. He will forgive you. They didn't know their right from their left. And we live in a world where people don't know their right from their left. We live in a culture and a time where people don't know what it is that's destroying them. And we have the opportunity to help them understand and to tell them and bring them the word of God. Are we going to say no and walk the other way? Or are we going to say yes and follow God's instruction? R.T. Kendall writes about this book of Jonah, and and one of the things he says is this. Who would have thought that God had any plan for a place like Nineveh? We don't even know whom God is going to convert next. The next person to be saved on God's calendar may surprise you. Who would have thought at one time in the early church that the next person to be saved would be Saul of Tarsus? For every Christian was running from that man. And I would suspect that when different Christians were praying for certain people, they weren't even thinking of praying for Saul. Sometimes we look at a particular individual and we say that person will never be saved. Or what a gigantic task it would be for God to save that man, that woman. This particular person is beyond help. Listen, if God can save you, he can save anybody. If God can save me, he can save anybody. And this story of Jonah, what it ultimately does is it points us to Jesus. It's not a fairy story about a man in a whale. It's a story about a gracious God who is at work for our good in every situation. The three days and the three nights in the fish foreshadows Christ's time. Three days and three nights in the tomb. Salvation does indeed come from the Lord. And like Jonah, we are ordinary people with an extraordinary God who saves. Amen? So don't rule yourself out of God's plans and purposes because you've, obeyed the, you've disobeyed the Lord in the past. Don't rule yourself out because you're in a fishy situation now. Don't try and control God's will and the granting of his grace. Do choose to say yes to God even when it feels unfair. Do call out to God in your darkest moments. And do let God be God and rejoice in the giving of his grace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please show us what you want us to do. And give us the strength to say yes to you, even when it hurts or it seems unfair. And almighty God, would you help us to trust in your plans and purposes over our own ideas and desires.